1: You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. We were we were hungry, you know,
0: excited to, uh, in a way, start fresh, winter conditioning, and you know, use last year's fuel. And I think the guys really responded well to what the coaches were wanting us to do and what the strength staff wanted us to do, and we really hit the weight room hard. The teams was bigger than us, they were stronger than us, so they made sure that this this winter, they attacked it. We got DBs in their squad, and high 600 pounds, I mean, moving weight. I, I put seven plates on my back. I mean, the numbers was crazy. I, like, at the at the end of winter, I mean, I feel like all the coaches, players, everybody was happy where they, where they ended up at. And going into spring, everybody was excited to get out there and switch it up a little bit because we've been hitting the weights hard, running hard, working hard, competing. That's why I'm saying we just improving together That's Group. So. And welcome to
2: this edition of the Husker Line Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washington, Nate Klaus. Football is back, boys, after a little break. Uh, Nebraska came out, opened up spring practice here in Lincoln uh, this week. Uh, had two practices, Monday, or three practices, Monday, Wednesday, Friday this week. And then they'll do Monday, Wednesday, Friday again. Um, so it's kind of um, get their quote, sea legs underneath them for a couple weeks and then take a break and come back for nine more. Um, but it, you can just feel it, uh, you know, and you don't want to get too caught up on the Kool-Aid, but it's hard not to, especially when you're right in it where we're at, guys, but you could just sense where this thing's going right now. And I think everybody does. Uh, nobody wants to get too far ahead of themselves, but you, you can just feel this thing coming together, and it started out of the gates this week in week one of practice.
3: Well, it even goes back to last year and the way that they turned the season around after a awful, awful start. Um, they look like a completely different team the second half of the season. You started to see the offense come into you know what the picture is supposed to look like, and what Adrian Martinez could potentially be down the road. You saw Maurice Washington show flashes, you saw J D. Spielman show flashes. Uh, you know, go down the, the board. The defense got better, started creating turnovers, and um, kind of the the ideal um, look of what this team is supposed to look like on both sides of the ball. Uh, started to come into form at the end of last year. And so you c- c- carry that over into another successful winter with Zach Duval, where, you know, guys made, you know, impressive uh, gains uh, basically across the board. You know, so frost has listed off some of the, 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 strength and just overall muscle mass they've put on. Um, there's a lot of reason for a lot of optimism right now. And, you know, you go back to where even when frost first got here, he himself put 2019 as kind of a, a year where things could get really good really quickly with the way the schedules set up, uh, the personnel that they kind of brought in over a kind of a full roster overhaul over the past year. And you know we haven't seen a practice yet, so we're kind of taking it all uh, you know with word of mouth from the coaching staff and the players. But based off their excitement, um, that's only dumped a whole gallon of gasoline on the fire that's already been burning for some time now.
0: Yeah, I mean, it seems like they're a real confident group right now. Uh, You know, all the players that came up there – you could just kind of feel that that they were feeling really good about themselves and a lot of that has to do with the familiarity i think of year two in the system um you know they're they're past the the uh their learning stage i guess or the the install i mean they're kind of picking up uh what frost said that basically day one of spring ball they they kind of picked up where uh where they left off maybe at the end of fall camp last year so uh not a whole lot of of learning um i mean still obviously they're they're everyone's still growing and everything, but um, you know they're they're real confident. You know they're feeling good about themselves after after what they accomplished in the weight room and um, and obviously everyone's undefeated right now. So <laughs> there's a lot of lot of reason to feel good.
2: You know I go back to this is an analogy that Jay Norvell used now the coach of Nevada years ago, Nate and and you could relate to this because you were part of that staff back then. Um, he, you know when they came in that first year with Callahan, he said it's like we took the team and we moved them to China and they didn't know Chinese. They didn't know anything about the country and they they had to learn the culture, learn the language, and we just threw it at them and said, you gotta live here and go. And that was last year in a lot of respects. I think they threw that team in a completely new weight room culture, a completely new diet culture, a completely new practice culture, and said, this is how we're gonna do it, go. And it was a hell of a transition, no matter how you try to spin it. And now in year two, you can just sense now everyone's comfortable. They know how to get around the country. They know the culture. They know the language. And it is just such a difference when the program gets to that point, which is obviously a lot easier said than done.
0: Well, and you having Adrian Martinez back, I think, is is just such a huge deal uh, because you there's no controversy about who the quarterback's going to be. And, and what he accomplished last year as a true freshman Um, you know with a with a offensive line that that uh, you know maybe wasn't used to um, you know playing playing together or playing in that system they're all learning and I mean there's just so many new pieces and now you've got a guy who's you know has the third best odds to win the Heisman uh, entering this you know year two I think um, I mean I think he's the presence that kind of gives everyone a a lot of confidence and, and and that's a great analogy I mean these guys had to had to crawl before they could even walk last year. And um, and now they're kind of hitting the ground running. Well, you, you said, I mean, having a guy like Adrian
3: uh, does so much for instilling belief in your players. When you have a player of that, that dynamic ability who's already proven it now. Uh, you know, last year he was a true freshman, hadn't played a game yet. And so you're kind of wait and see mode. Well, now he's done it. And now you pair kind of all his off the field intangibles with what he's done on the field. Uh, I mean, that that is a huge inspiration for everybody else that to come to work today, knowing this guy is our leader. And uh, Frost talked about that, that, you know, the one thing that I want to see from Adrian this offseason is to step up and make this his team. Uh, Yeah, you're a true sophomore. Yeah, there are dudes that are a lot older than you that have played a lot more football than you but this is your team and you need to act like it on the practice field, in the locker room, in the meeting room, on game day. Th- this is this is your ship and you gotta be the captain. And uh, right now, I mean, I see no signs why he can't be that guy. And with him leading the charge, uh, this team is gonna go into every single game believing they can truly win. They can beat anybody on their schedule. And we haven't been able to say that for a long, long time with this team. And again, uh, Adrian Martinez is a very special, special player, a special person. And he is probably as big of a reason and why there's so much hype and optimism behind this team as anything.
2: You're listening here to the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan, Rob Washett, Nate Klaus, as we talk opening headlines. And we're going to get more into spring uh, practice, including uh, Maurice Washington and, and that whole situation in our next segment. But I did want to get this on because hopefully we're talking about this uh, by the end of the year, Robin, a bowl, a bowl trip. Um, yeah, it's been a while. The Big Ten has changed <laughs> their bowl lineup, according to Brett McMurphy of the stadium. Now, it doesn't go into effect of 2020, but this is why I wanted to get this on. They are now partnered with the Vegas Bowl. Okay. Um, it's a three and three though. A six year deal, SEC for three, Big Ten for three. Um, and then the other three years, it's with the Belk Bowl in Charlotte. Um okay. so that's an uh yeah. but you know, Charlotte direct flights out of Omaha, Charlotte, easy access. Could be worse. Uh, they are dropping the holiday bowl which is a disappointment. Starting in two thousand twenty. Um, And then I think the stadium situation there probably played a factor. I mean, they don't have a pro stadium anymore at this point. Uh, The Gator Bowl will also be dropped by 2020. So this will be the last year of the Holiday Bowl or the Gator Bowl. Two bowls that love Nebraska. I mean, we've covered five of those bowls (laughs) together, I think. Four or five? At least. I mean, I'm pretty sure
3: we've done three Gator Bowls, or maybe Capital One, Gator. I can't I get it. Three
2: Holiday Bowls, two Gator Bowls. So we've done five of those. And 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 then two Capital Ones. And then the Music City Bowl, which we did one of those together, will become an every year Big Ten Bowl. That was a good bowl. I could go for that one. Yep. And that was actually, from a driving distance point, as close of a drive for Husker Mm -hmm. fans as any bowl game maybe other than Dallas. Um, and then the Outback Bowl is going to have a little bit of a wrinkle to their contract. When a Big Ten team goes to the Orange Bowl, the Outback Bowl won't have to take a Big Ten team that year. They'll take a um, an ACC team. So uh, interesting, but the the chance to go to Vegas, yeah, really excites me.
3: That's got to be one of the lower tier bowls, though. No, right? no, no. Where it's going it? to
2: be moved to the NFL Stadium, the new Vegas oh, Bowl. Oh, yeah, it's moving that. up. It's going to be in the new stadium. Oh. It's gonna it's gonna replace. So the tier one bowls now are holiday, outback, cap one. Right. The holiday is getting ousted in the Vegas Bowl. The way I read this is moving Dang. into the tier one. Right. So, yeah. Okay. Let's any go. Any team's not going to the access bowls or the playoff bowls? Um, those three-tier one bowls. So, I mean, you're going to have to have like a nine-win year to go to Vegas. You can't get there with like seven wins.
3: Well, I'm all in on that, and I'm sure Nate's going to make a very strong push to join us on that bowl game. Absolutely. (laughs) Hey,
2: you and Greg will have a nice room together.
0: (laughs) (laughs) If that's what it takes, fine.
2: All right, when we come back, we're going to talk more spring practice. You're listening here
1: to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. We hope we gain a lot more clarity on the on the matter real soon.
3: Uh, to my knowledge, uh, that process is is moving along. Hopefully we'll get more clarity on soon. We're trying to keep him in as close to a normal routine as a student athlete as we can in the meantime. I think anytime anybody in our team behaves in a way that isn't consistent with the values of our, our team or our university, they run the risk of uh, losing playing time or putting their status on the team in jeopardy but to me it's, it's important to have a complete understanding of the situation before that decision's made uh, and just to be clear that that decision isn't made by me it's made by uh, myself in conjunction with administration and the university so uh, that's where we stand right now I don't know a whole lot more about it
2: and welcome back here to the Husker Online Show Sean Callahan, Robin Watchett, Nate Klaus, that was head coach Scott Frost on the latest surrounding the Maurice Washington situation and what he knows and out of the gates. And, you know, one thing about Coach Frost is he's not an opening statement guy ever. Um, so initially the first question was Maurice Washington. Then he kind of turned that into a statement about it. That was more or less the statement with a couple of follow-up questions. And he's practicing limitedly. I, I think they're going to obviously downplay his situa- his role right now in the spring um, until there's more clarity of the legal situation. but. I think it doesn't make sense. And you heard Frost say this. I mean, they're not throwing him off the team or suspending him because nothing has actually happened in the legal process at this point. And taking a young man out of like his controlled environment could be one of the worst things you could probably do for a guy. So they want to keep him here going through things until they obviously find out more and that's really the update at this point
3: yeah that's really all you can do at this point i mean obviously the legal process is still playing itself out Uh, he will go back to california at some point uh to you know kind of further along that that situation but uh for the here and now i mean that's that's nebraska's doing probably all it can at this point you know they're going to cooperate fully with um law enforcement and you know make Maurice available whenever he does need to go back um and they're going to let him practice but you know obviously uh prepare themselves to get other guys involved, even though that running back room is pretty thin without him. Um, But, you know, I guess what this comes down to, um, you know, I mean, people were trying to – I know he was asked about the the speculation going back to last year. Uh, Did did Nebraska know more than they let on, and did they ignore it to keep him on the football field and allow him to play? And he said those rumors were absolutely not true. And so – At this point, I mean, all we can do is take Frost and the university for their word, and they've given us no reason to... Uh, doubt them or think that they would be covering anything up and so uh, as far as we know and as far as what they've said um, which is really kind of the only known commodities right now Nebraska's done everything they were supposed to do and to to think that you know they they mishandled the situation I think is inaccurate and uh, until we find out um, anything more to change that opinion uh, I think Nebraska just needs to continue to do what it's been doing um, and just kind of uh, you know let this thing play out uh, over the next few weeks or a few months.
0: And one of the things he said that stood out to me was that. Um, you know he's not an investigator it's not his job to do the investigation or, or to keep to dig into it and, and try to figure out uh, that's what get you in trouble yeah and, and, and we got Joe Paterno exactly. and others I
2: mean and, art Bryles. I mean you can't control that kind of stuff
0: yeah that's that's not your job and uh, right now his job is, is to, to be the football coach and and to, to really take care of his team and for a guy like Maurice Washington uh, I think the last thing that that he needs um you know would be to kind of be hung out to dry and to ki- be kicked off the team and to be you know kind of taken out of his structured environment so to speak so um you know i i don't have any problems he's, he's with, a guy
2: Nate that really had not had a structured no. environment growing up he needs the day-to-day control that's the best thing for his life yeah absolutely you can say oh it's football but no it, it's it's the whole the whole the whole thing nebraska provides him is really the best thing for the kid personally and mentally
0: well, and that's one of the reasons why he's here is because of that and, and nebraska was going to provide him with that structure and and kind of, uh, you know, help him uh, help him along. And uh, and he's never really had that. And so I, I think that uh, uh, that would be the worst thing that you could do. So, uh, you know, I've got no problem with him practicing. I know it w- one thing that was kind of weird, though, is I know the, the university had their – they put out a, a photo gallery of, you know, the day one practice, and, and uh, a picture of Maurice Washington was in that photo gallery, and then all of a sudden it disappeared later on that day. So that was kind of strange. But, still but. it still stayed
2: on the tweet. I saw it on the tweet there was like a, it was a photo of him getting a handoff right yeah, and yep. so they did it like a, a picture tweet and i saw it on the tweet after the fact so whoever deleted it off huskers.com didn't take it off of the twitter yeah. account whoops i don't know yeah that that, that was i don't even know if that was necessary yeah, at that know. point but, but.
0: Yeah, yeah the i mean the sense i got was that nebraska's got nothing to hide they they're not you know they there's they got no reason to to feel like they're doing something wrong by allowing Maurice washington to practice and um and they're going to you know he's it's going to be kind of status quo until Uh, something comes up to where he needs to to leave or mispractice or whatever. Yeah, and the one thing you have to be
3: careful with uh, in this situation is not getting caught up in the initial reaction of, uh, you know, the social media outrage or whatever it is. And I think Nebraska, you know, to their credit – they've done a good job of that so far. And so again, going back to my original point, I mean, just continue doing what you're doing, the mob, Uh, make sure that you know, you cooperate and are complicit with everything that's going on as far as the further next steps of this uh, investigation. Uh, And for the time being, you just kind of work with what you have. And until someone tells you otherwise, uh, just stick with the process. Yeah. We
2: learned a lot of other things and we're not going to have time to really delve into all of it in this show. And we're going to be able to do that in a lot of our spring shows here uh, throughout the spring. But just as far as some personnel things we learned, uh, Trent Hickson's a guy on the offensive mm-hmm. line uh, that's, that's uh, really impressing them. They would like to move maybe Matt Farniak to guard, but that's still, there's nobody really to take that spot. Um, you know, a guy like Gaylord is just not there yet where they're confident for that move to happen. Uh, JoJo Dolman's playing linebacker, outside linebacker. He's up to 230 pounds. Cam Taylor can play safety he's got a chance to maybe be a starting safety i mean there were a number of kind of personnel nuggets i probably missed one or two robin and nate but uh, those are some of the personnel nuggets that we learned with kind of returning players um, you know and Will Farniak as well was uh, I believe working kind of the number one center at least mm-hmm. um, over the first practice
3: yeah with Jurgens being limited still um, you know he's he's getting some reps he's suiting up but you know he's still not full go yet and so uh, Will Farniak um, Hunter Miller and A.J. Forbes um, along with Jurgens are going to be your centers this spring and then obviously they're going to add some more bodies in the fall um, another thing that stood out uh, Cam Jones uh, Travis Fisher said that he's still dealing with some academic stuff and for him to take that next step and really compete for you know a top spot at that safety um, rotation uh, he's got to kind of prioritize schoolwork a little bit more so that's going to be interesting to follow over the spring and summer uh, to make sure that he can stay on course uh, to to be a factor because as long as you know he can you know do what he needs to do in the classroom I think that he has every opportunity to be uh, a fixture in the safety rotation if not
0: compete for a starting job and part of me wonders if um, that possibility of him not staying the course is why they've tried out cam taylor some at safety Maybe, but yeah there's, it's about getting the best four on it the is field. yeah and really i mean i think i think the staff's philosophy across the board is getting the best players mm-hmm. you know whether it be the best five offensive linemen or um, you know. and
2: Nichols become more of a base anyway mm-hmm. i mean you, you can't really play with Four linebackers.
0: Well, that's what
3: JoJo Doman does. I mean, he allows them not to have to substitute. I mean, yep. he can play nickel, he can play safety, he can play linebacker. I mean, he is Luke so Gifford, versatile to an extent. Exactly. Yep. Do that exactly. last He'll, year. Gifford was kind of the first guy to take on that mold. And I remember last year when Doman finally got healthy, uh, we did a story on Gifford kind of taking JoJo under his wing and kind of helping him along that. Pretty process. Pretty similar guys, honestly.
2: Yeah. Other than Gifford's taller, but
0: yeah. yep. uh, well, just the mental side of things. Yeah, they both came in as safeties, linebacker side with yep. DB instincts. I mean, and, that's. It's pretty good. And you look back at last year, I mean, Gifford was arguably the most valuable piece of that yeah. defense. Yeah. And uh, JoJo's
3: up to 231, right? 231 yeah. pounds. So, I mean, he's he's a linebacker now, no yeah. doubt about it. And, uh, from every, everything he was on full heard, feed, as yeah. Eric
2: Shenander said. He didn't lift for like two years. He goes, now we had him on full lift and full feed.
3: Yeah. I mean, just we, if that dude has to stay healthy, because if he can, he could be a freak. Yeah, he could be really, really good.
2: But yeah, lots more to cover. And we're, we're going to talk spring football over the next month, so... There's going to be a lot more in-depth conversations we can have. Uh, We are going to talk basketball. Obviously, a lot going on there. Nebraska lost at Michigan State. They had it down to a seven-point game late in the second half. Chance to make it six. They missed some free throws, and then a big five-point play happened after that. So uh, we'll get Robin's thoughts on that and kind of where things are at with the future of Tim Miles and the program next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show.
1: You're listening to the Husker Online Show. Your authority on Nebraska Athletics.
0: Playing hard is one thing, but also playing hard and playing well, you know, you, you have to be able to do both. And I thought we did a lot of things right tonight. When you look at the way we played against Michigan, yeah, that was such a disappointment. We've got to have more in us than that. And I thought tonight we did. Now there are no moral victories, but at the same time, fought back at seven. I think a chance to cut to six with a free throw. We miss. Xavier Tillman hits a three. You know, unlikely suspect. Uh, then we come down, we miss a, a three, and we have the five-point play on the flag one. And now you're looking up as 14 and maybe 30 seconds of play. And uh, that's what Michigan State can do to you. Uh, and then when they shoot the ball that well tonight, uh, that, that's why they might end up being a conference champion.
2: And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Nebraska 91-76 loser to Michigan State on Tuesday night in East Lansing. They close the season now against Iowa. Uh, that game in Lincoln and Robin. As we talk scenarios, first of all, Nebraska is day one now for sure. Yep. Um. Yep. It's a matter of is there a chance there's, to switch the game really, time?
3: No. I mean, they're basically locked in. It's a matter of they're gonna be the 12 or 13 seed. I mean, it's basically that's all. So it they're
2: is. they're. What time will their game be?
3: It's at it's five five thirty. So the early Central. Wednesday.
2: Um, yeah, the very first Bun- game of the, the day, the bunny, the bunny nobody bracket. Nobody in
3: the arena, so it'll be a <laughs> the prime, bunny, prime the prime bunny bracket July, game, baby. Yeah. And uh, right now, it looks like they're going to play Penn State. So know, we all know how those games have gone. So that, it's certainly not ideal, um, but at this point. You know, it's kind of a foregone conclusion how this is going to end.
2: What are you expecting Sunday? I'm looking right now at some of the third party websites for tickets, and I can't believe how expensive tickets are for this game. I mean, lower bowl seats right now on StubHub are going anywhere from sixty to eighty bucks a piece. Mm -hmm. Third three hundred levels are going twenty or thirty dollars a piece. You know what that tells me? There's going to be a lot of black and gold in that arena. That's
3: what I was going to say. It's not a matter of if people are going to be there; it's a matter what color shirts they're going to be wearing and i think there's going to be a lot of iowa fans there because nebraska
2: fans aren't paying 60 or 80 bucks for a lower bowl no seat.
3: and i'm sure the prices are because of the demand from iowa fans they're trying to gouge the hawkeyes to at least get, get something out of the game but uh yeah it's it's this is a big game for iowa i um, mean, you know they're playing for tournament big 10 tournament seating and tournament seating uh so you know that they need to win this game and uh, you know get some momentum going into chicago um, so, yeah, there'll still be about 10,000 some people there, but I imagine it will be as road heavy uh, of a crowd as we've seen in PB for, for a long time. In
2: K- Kansas invaded a little bit, but not that much because no. in December, Nebraska is always good still. Usually. Right. There was
3: still, you know, excitement. And so, yeah, there, there was, I mean, Kansas fans travel well regardless, and that was a really high priced ticket. So, those Kansas fans, they they, well, they certainly uh, ponied up for that one. But, uh, yeah, I mean,. Uh, I think this is going to be a very loud Hawkeye contingency here, and hopefully, it's you know not like to an embarrassing extent, just for the sake of those seniors, especially a guy like Glenn Watson. But um, I'm I got a feeling that it, it could be uh, a little little lopsided. Well,
2: and one thing I'll say about PBA, and I've been a season ticket holder in the arena ever since it opened. It's very difficult for a fan base to infiltrate the lower bowl. Yeah, like I mean, th- those are to have a lower bowl seat in PBA, you have to be a pretty good season ticket holder for football or something student else. section
3: has been a way for, I don't remember last time Iowa was here, there was a lot of Iowa fans in the student section. So,
2: Well, they move you down. So you can slip in that area behind the basket. Mm-hmm, right. And even people on the twos and the 300s, if the students don't show up, they move them down behind the hoop uh, just to fill that whole section in. Um, and they say, you're welcome. So I still think it's an optimal game time. Is it a 1 o'clock Sunday game? Yeah. So, yeah, it's a good time for a game on a Sunday, but the timing of the season. I mean, this game, when you look back about a month or two ago, it felt like it could have been a huge game. And now it could be one of the more embarrassing moments we've seen for Nebraska in the arena's history.
3: Yeah, I mean, (laughs) it could. I don't think it's going to be that bad. I mean, there I remember when Iowa came in here on senior night a few years ago and won by like 30-some. So I don't know if it's going to be that bad, especially if – you know, Nebraska plays like they did against Michigan State. I mean, that was the one silver lining of that game. The fact, especially coming off that Michigan game where it looked like they just quit, that they didn't want to play basketball anymore. Uh, and I know a lot of people thought that, you know, that was going to be a continuation and another, you know, record-type blowout loss. At Michigan State, but you know they fought hard and had a chance to you know bring that game into two possessions um, in late in the game. And obviously, some breaks went their way. You know, got some bad calls uh, and things kind of fell apart on them again. So as long as they continue to play hard, you know they they played Michigan State tough. They played Purdue tough. There's no reason they can't play Iowa tough as long as they have. Fight and want to, and if they come with the same type of effort in both those regards against Iowa, it'll at least be somewhat respectable. Now, are they going to win the game? Probably not, but they can at least keep it from being an epic disaster, like some people might think it could be.
2: All right, I'm going to I'm going to throw a very half full glass scenario at you. Yeah. Nebraska beats Iowa. They beat Penn State. They get to 17 wins. They lose the next game. Does Nebraska accept an NIT bid
3: if a coaching change (laughs) is made? That's a that's a good question. I mean, we're uh, way
2: ahead of ourselves here, but it's not that far out of left field.
3: I would imagine that they would leave it up to uh, the the players and if those seniors want to keep playing basketball. I mean, there's been times before where Nebraska's had the opportunity, not necessarily to go to the NIT, but like the CBI mm-hmm. or CIT, and they asked the seniors, do you want to keep playing? They're like, no, we're, we're done. Well, and that
2: was like the last – after that year – there hasn't been a major conference team to play in the yeah. CBI or CIT. Yeah, so
3: the NIT might be a little bit different. Um,
2: it's a selection committee.
3: But again, you know, it, it could be a deal. I'm you get shipped to, on the road to like yeah. St. Mary's. I'm or, trying to think of the school that did that. They they fired their coach or whatever, and then went to the NIT and.
2: Well, LSU, when they had – what was that NBA number one pick guy? Simmons, of, like, Ben Simmons. They declined it, NIT yeah. did, that year. So
3: I can see something. I mean, honestly, I just don't know if it's in the best interest of the program to continue playing. I mean, sure, I mean, you can make a run, but, I mean, this this team's kind of worn out right now, uh, and they're still fighting hard, but they're overmatched in most games they play. And so basically you're saying we're going to continue this season with some interim coach. Traveling to some – Yeah, yeah, and if, if – the wheels are already in motion like we are they expect them to be you know you might already have your next guy ready to come you know be in line and and why would you have your team playing for somebody else while you're trying to institute a new era so I guess there's a lot of variables that uh, might impact that decision but um, I would say it's probably unlikely that they do postseason plays because I mean they're gonna they're gonna want to turn the page as quickly because if they
2: got the 17 wins with the schedule they had, they theoretically would get an NIT bid. I would think. I mean, it would be close. Yeah,
3: I mean, especially if you had another quad one win over Iowa. I guess I'm assuming they're still quad one, but uh, and then you know Penn State that would be a quad one win, and so I mean, you know, they would have a pretty decent resume with 17 wins in the best conference in all of college basketball. So I mean, it's not out of the question, and under normal circumstances, it's kind of be a no brainer uh, in my opinion. But I think it's more if does Nebraska and its administration want to prolong this season that they seem to be uh, wanting to get over uh, for the last month uh, another week or two
2: well if they make a decision after chicago and we're not going to be able to talk obviously um in studio at least because you'll be in chicago next week um, Mm -hmm. when we're doing the show um you know it could be one of those things where moose whispers to the big 10 people hey you know just tell the nit people thanks but no thanks Mm -hmm. and and just you know whatever I mean I I don't know if like they even want to remove
3: themselves from even being
2: like we're moving forward invited but who knows Moose is so out there like he could be like hey I just don't see the benefit yeah. of it,
3: especially with such an old team. I mean, if it were a bunch of freshmen and sophomores, sure, yeah, you could see some benefit. But, I mean, you got a bunch of seniors, dudes that are hurt. I mean, you know, uh, Thomas Allen is your youngest, most promising Copeland's player. Copeland's hurt. And he's got an ankle injury, and he probably will miss the rest of the season. I mean, Yeah, Brady he, he Hyman, play. is he going
2: to really benefit going to Starkville, Mississippi? or
3: Exactly. So, I mean, I just don't think that, again, it would be in the best interest of you know, really kind of wiping the slate clean and moving on from <laughs> this era to prolong it any longer it needs to be. I'm
2: just trying to think of some, out of the blue NIT road trip, like you have to go to Tulsa oh, yeah. for like a 6 p.m. ESPNU game, and then they just drill you by like 30. <laughs> I, mean, I, I mean, that's about what it would be, though, right? I mean, it, it, would, it, yeah. would, it would be just yeah. some exotic, random road trip. Oh, even better, you go to Utah. Utah State doesn't make the tournament somehow. Oh, Utah and, State's making the tournament. And you get sent to Utah State. Um, and, and and Oh, yeah, and Craig Smith Craig just waxes him. Just waxes him. That would be terrible. Job interview.
3: <laughs> Speaking of Craig Smith, that dude is like – they're talking about him as a potential national coach of the year with what he's done at Utah State. I think they already clinched the regular season title in the Mountain West. And, I mean, talk about a turnaround. That dude wins everywhere he goes. And I don't think – I know people are asking, like, would Nebraska ever look at him? To me, I think that it would just be too awkward uh, for him to come back here and be the direct successor for Tim Miles. Now, maybe if there's a buffer in between and there's another coach that uh, doesn't work out He's here. He's the guy
2: after the guy, maybe Yeah,
3: I, I just – I mean, they, they – Craig Smith was Tim's right-hand man basically their entire careers, and so for him to do that, I I don't think that that's, that's in the cards as far as their their relationship goes. You've
2: even seen that with the ex creighton guy, Darren DeVries. Yeah. He was Altman and, and uh, McDermott's right-hand guy. His first year at Drake, they win, they win the Valley. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of interesting. Two local assistant coaches have gone on and done some pretty big things um, in their first years at, at their, new, their new jobs. But uh, when we come back, we're going to bring in Husker Online intern Alec Rome. Uh, we're going to take your questions in the mailbag. That's next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show.
1: This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. I mean, we're, we're just continuing the progression i think we got some good pieces back we need to find some new pieces see how these young kids fit in but overall the the progression just keeps continuing continuing i feel like we have a lot more time with the kids maybe than when we did last year we were scrambling a little bit to get you know systems put in place and structure put in place and teaching them how to do everything you know like coach
0: frost was saying we're teaching them how to dress appropriately and be where they're supposed to be and now we're, we're pretty much football so i think there's gonna I hope there's going to be a big jump between the end of last year and then you know, where we finish off spring this year.
2: And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Waschet, Nate Klaus, pleased to bring in Husker Online intern, Alec Rome, as it's time for the mailbag. How are you doing, Alec?
4: I've been doing good. It's been a minute since I've been on the show. It's good to be back finally and uh, on the radio show, reading questions as always, sorting through that mailbag.
2: All right, a deep mailbag this week. What do you got?
4: Yeah, it's uh, it's actually a little medley this week. We're going to have to talk to the post office about that. I don't know why there's so much metal. Anyway, uh, based on what you heard from coaches and players on Tuesday, what is your biggest takeaway, both positive and negative?
2: Positive... Is the newcomers like Wandell Robinson? I mean, just a lot of times, you know, you get excited about a recruit coming in and you, you just think it's a sure thing. And I think last year we saw that with a lot of guys. We thought Mike Williams, Jerron Woodyard, Will Honus. I mean, we just Greg were like Greg Bell. Like these are sure thing guys that are can't misses. And very few of them, if any of them did anything, you're getting the sense Wandell Robinson's going to not be like that. He's going to do something right away. I would say my concern still remains two things. The offensive line, just kind of figuring out that grouping, and then the pass rush. I mean, And those are the things
3: that we're going to be talking about all the way through August. Yeah. Positive for me are all the reports from winter conditioning and the weight room. And not only just the gains the guys have made, but uh, listening to Greg Austin talk about guys – they they look forward to lifting weights it's something that they they want to go do whereas before it was a chore that they were required to do and not only are they you know lifting hard and uh, you know actually doing it with enthusiasm They're competing against each other you know i want to lift more than the guy across from me or the guy that's in my group Uh, i want to lift more than i did yesterday Uh, and so those types of uh, that competitiveness and just that 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 drive in the weight room i think is a huge part of this culture change that the staff has wanted to institute over the past 12 months and um, so that's definitely been i mean pretty encouraging as far as just developing that base layer that is so necessary for growth Uh, the downside depth probably especially at some key areas um you know the linebacker situation looks pretty bleak right now especially inside um and uh, offensive line like sean mentioned and just what they have to work with at running back especially considering with mo washington's deal uh i mean there's there's just some pretty major questions beyond the starting lineup of who is going to play and who are going to emerge as key factors and contributors uh once the season gets rolling and obviously plenty of time to left to answer that but um there's some pretty question or pressing questions that need to be addressed over the next few months
0: yeah i'll go with um with the newcomer coach uh, tony Tuioti. Uh, coach, coach t coach t i took the safe route with I, frost yeah. Did you hear me do that by <laughs> the way I, yep. I i and then everybody took my my lead on that they were like coach t well yeah no one wants to be the one to, to screw it up but I, I i feel like my first impressions are that he's going to be a terrific fit in this coaching staff I, I think that um you know from all aspects not not just uh you know, in in terms of uh, X's and O's and, you know, a teacher. But I I think that he's going to be a quality recruiter. Um, And I think he fits in really, really well with just the – basically the core values of this coaching staff in terms of uh, the type of person that he is and the way that he treats players and so on and so forth. So, um, you know, that was a big impression for me. And then uh, concerns, I I think it's just finding – you know, finding out who's going to be – you know, that, that difference maker, too, on, on the defensive side of the football. We know that the offense is going to be uh, really, really good. But who's going to step up and, and kind of, uh, you know, be the X factor on defense? Predict the recruiting class rank of 2020. Line is set
4: at 12 and a half. Are you over or under? I'll say slightly
2: over. I mean, it's just we've, we've got a 20-year sample size, Nate, now of hard recruiting data top 15s are rare at nebraska um really rare i mean you almost need if you study some of the best classes i mean there usually was a five star involved in those classes and i don't know where that five star is going to come from i mean it typically has to be somebody tied to the program or a 500 mile radius yeah. type guy like aj esponanza right at iowa five star defensive end his dad played there yeah baker Steinkuhler. cooler um Andre Jones was a not shouldn't have been a five star. He was one year at JUCO, and I think Zach Bowman was a five star, and he he was a legitimate player. But to get you, ha- you almost have to have a five star. I think to, to to push your class in that
0: level. Well, yeah, to get in top ten, you basically have to have a a five star, or your entire class has to be good fours. Yeah, all four stars. So I'll go just outside or just over, uh, but not by much. I, I still think that this class can very well be a top fifteen class. Um, you know, the 2019 class ended up at number 16. So um, I think it'll be a top 15 class, but to get inside of, of 12 or or to be pushing top 10 is going to be really, really hard. All right, what do you got next, Alec?
4: More disappointing Husker Athletic
0: season, 2007 football
4: or 2018-19 Nebraska ball? Man, I would,
2: I would go with basketball just because 2007 – First of all, was one of the toughest schedules, just like basketball, was one of the toughest schedules Nebraska's played this year. But the conference, I don't know, God, now that I think about it, it's, it's, that's a tough debate, uh, but man, Missouri and Kansas in 20, 2007 had their best all-time modern-day teams that year in the conference. Oklahoma State was on the come that year. Nebraska played number one-ranked USC. They played Ball State with Brady Hoke and Nate Davis. They played Colin Kaepernick in Nevada. I mean, they had a very. They went to Wake Forest the year after Wake Forest won the bowl, uh, Orange Bowl. So, the schedule of that year was just the the perfect storm. Where Nebraska basketball, I think, when you got into like even Christmas time or January tenth, Robin, it was like, man, this is a can't miss season. We're talking NCAA. I had a buddy that started booking hotel rooms Mm -hmm. and potential NCAA tournament spots like Des Moines and Tulsa, thinking that Nebraska would be in one of those spots to the point now where we're laughing about an NIT bid.
3: So, yeah, this basketball season has been an epic disaster in every sense. But this is Nebraska and football is king. And football will always have more of an impact one way or the other uh, on everything that happens in this state. And so for the football season to go the way it did in 2007, I'd say that was a much bigger disappointment and impacted negatively far more people than this basketball season has, especially considering there are plenty of Nebraska football fans that don't even like Nebraska basketball.
0: Yeah, i got to go with football, and for the those same reasons, plus I was on the staff, so <laughs> that was <laughs> neat, that was Nate felt it. Talk about a, a gut punch, uh, <laughs> especially with the way we were recruiting at that point in time. I mean, we had – you want to talk about top ten classes. That I mean, that class had the had the chance to be, uh, you know, maybe even a top five class uh, by the time it was all said and done, and then just the wheels just came off. You know, there was so much buildup to that USC game. And I mean
2: Ricky Hernandez's injury man that killed the game. Nebraska had some momentum. They're up 10-7. Yeah. They forced a fumble on that kickoff. Yep.
3: That yeah, Oklahoma that, State game was about as bad as it's been. Yep. That was terrible. I mean there's been some bad moments, but that for that to happen at home and the, the fans What was that that at it halftime it was like yes. 30 to nothing or yes. something and like and that. And
2: Peterson. I was on a hunting trip with Matt Davison like a day or two after and we had to leave the hunting lodge for some fundraiser thing. Um, rough life, I know, um, <laughs> and, and had a flight, like drive back to Lincoln for Peterson's firing. It was crazy, yeah. um, and then obviously Osborne came in. Like the that was the only thing it could have done back then to like yeah. save things. Yeah. yeah.
3: So again, football will always have more of an impact than anything.
0: This athletic there were has. there were like fourteen decommitments in the span of like twenty eight days. Oof.
2: John Tallman took about ten years to get over that. I mean, that was like a hard month for John to cover all that for us when he's with the site it was brutal all right what do you got next
4: to close us out alec last question all right we got a fun one march madness for the husker online staff in form in the form of a 1v1 basketball tournament <laughs> who's the favorite who's the dark horse and what's the final four well did, we lost dan
2: Hoppen, so yep that was our i mean he would have been the favorite easily obviously he's dave hoppin's kid and he, <laughs> he was he could he played college basketball mm-hmm. Well, Sean, I
3: think you're the only one that can get rim, so you are probably got to be a one seed.
2: <laughs> Am I the only one that played high school varsity basketball yes. on our team right now? Yep. No. I, try,
3: I tried out, but I was not tall or athletic enough. I to, didn't even to maybe, try. Yep. It makes you feel better. I was basketball.
2: Your Lincoln High team destroyed our Omaha Gross team in a holiday tournament my, yeah. my senior year. That,
3: that, those early 2000s Lincoln High teams were pretty Richie good. Richie Ross, Ty Graham. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I didn't stand a chance. They had no need for a 6-foot center.
2: We played against Kirk Heinrich once, and that that was an experience. Um, but yeah,
3: I'd give I'll probably give
2: myself the edge because I'm the only one that played. Now, Great Grace, man, she's tough. Allie, what about
4: Allie? Yep. Allie, Allie, Allie's got the length. That'd be tough, tough to play against there. Now,
2: Reynoldson and Eicholt, they could, don't count. They could hoop. I mean, they're no longer with the staff. I, David's in Iowa, so he's totally out of it now. But um, David could. I don't believe it, but <laughs> David said he tried out. <laughs> for the team and like made it and Robin kind of back channel sourced that and that did did it check out?
3: Yeah, I'd never got any actual confirmation on that, but it was like one of those open student tryouts for a walk on. And he said that like he was going to get a call back because he was just making every shot he took. And I was like, David, just, just take a step back. Let's pump the brakes here, bro.
2: (laughs) 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 Reynolds had played some varsity at Lincoln East back in our old staff too. All
3: right. So I'm going to go Sean one alley two, Alec, I don't know. Can you play?
4: Uh, I played elementary school basketball, okay. but every once in a while, I'll, I'll come into a pickup game and okay. make points. We got Mun-
2: we got Brian Munson, too, now.
3: Oh, yeah. Well, just, just from the size factor, Munson gets, gets the three. He played
2: college football at UNK, and his son's a stud. He I might
3: mean. be the two. All right, let's bump Mun- Munson to two. Alley, three. How many seeds are we doing? Everybody?
0: So you can do the final four. What's okay, the yeah. final four? Nate, you wrestled, right? Uh, Yeah, for a couple years. Not all four years. Wrestlers definitely can't be seated. Nate Nate and I would be the play game. I'm just like, we we'll be the play in game. I would before. be I the hustler, rebounder, <laughs> no, like that's what I do. Yeah. I I'm like the bull in the China 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 sh- shop. shop Yeah. So I I don't remember the last time I played. Like it, it's been probably it's been probably ten years since I've like legitimately shot a basketball and like you know Yeah. Hoppin so would be I, our I,
2: ultimate I, one seed though, if he was still around, it yeah. wouldn't
0: even be close. Yep.
2: Yeah. But all right, well, hey, good P. question, there go. Alec. Yep. Good to see you. When we come back, we're going to talk some recruiting, including Wondell Robinson. We're going to, we haven't even got into it. Nate and I are going to delve into more of Wondell's impressive week one as we talk some recruiting and other things next. You're listening to the Husker Online Show.
1: This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. He wants to be great. He wants to be great. And so, you know, we're taking it day by day and we're not gonna tell him, we're not gonna tell everybody he's gonna be an All-American and be the Heisman Trophy winner, but uh, he has the capabilities of being of being special. And uh, we're gonna take it day by day and, and, and get to work and, and really learn this offense. And, you know, he understands the good thing is he he wants to be great. It, it's, it's, it's why he came to Nebraska and that's what we sold him on. He was gonna have an opportunity. We, we don't give positions away, but he's gonna have an opportunity to compete an opportunity to be a, a, a prominent, have a prominent role in his offense. And he's, uh, he's embraced that and he works his tails off his tail off. So uh, I just, I see nothing but good things ahead for him.
2: And welcome back here to the Husker online show. That was offensive coordinator, Troy Walters on future freshman, all American, Robbins <laughs> Robinson, Nate Claus, as we talk some recruiting man, usually Nate, especially freshmen in their first week of ever playing college football. Like you kind of tone it down, But that was not the case with Wanda Robinson out of the gates in week one of spring practice. And rarely, Nate, do the guys kind of look like what they're supposed to look like on their first couple weeks of practice or school. And you're getting a sense Wanda Robinson looks like that and more now that he's kind of in the full-time training facility of Nebraska.
0: Yeah, and it's not just at one position. He's, He's playing running back, wide receiver. Um, you know Ryan Held said he's going to be special teams yeah, he he's going to be a definitely going to be in the mix as a punt returner a kick returner um, and, and so yeah you, you you said it most times when guys first step foot on campus especially guys that should still be in high school um, you know their their head spinning a little bit the the first practice or two at least uh, but that's not the case with Wandel Robinson and um, you know and everybody was was giving him praise and um, you know and There's still some things. I mean, he still has to learn um, the offense more. and I mean, he's still going to have to prove himself some more. But um, everybody's talking about him. I mean, he's made uh, one heck of an impression after only being on campus for a couple months and, and, uh, you know, only a couple practices. You know, I think the one thing that stands out to me When Ryan Held was talking about him uh, and describing him, uh, you know, he he said he's not a big hype guy in the sense that he's not a big talker. He goes out there and does his deal, Uh, and he loves football. He loves the game, and he said, "You know, guys, they just have that look. They have that certain look and demeanor about him. He's a dude." And and that's uh, that's perfectly put. I mean, Wandel Robinson is a dude. Uh, he's going to be a factor, and right? he's
2: not about the social media. He's not about the hype. I mean, that's one thing I really yeah. have come to respect about Wandel. You don't see him retweeting all the praise about himself. I mean, amateur guys that don't know how to handle the mob of Nebraska fans coming at them just retweet everything and like. They get everyone. caught
0: up in in the all the attention and and uh, you know and they kind of fall in love with themselves and. Wandell's not that type of kid. He's he's extremely mature. Um, you know, I, I, from from you know getting to know him a little bit and covering him. That I mean, that's probably the thing that always stood out the most to me is just how mature he is. I mean, he was he was developed for this moment. I mean, he's been raised for this moment, and and the stage is not too big for him.
2: And that's so rare, Nate. You just don't see, especially with today's type of kid. Yep. I mean, the kids today are just different. And it's rare to have a guy come in physically ready to go. And, you know, the Rondell Moore comparison is an accurate one. And Troy Walter said that to me. And he goes, let's let's hope he has the same kind of year. But they are very similar players. And they trained with the same trainer. They're from the same part of Louisville. Um, So there is a lot of similarities. And this offense, as we know, can produce. And I almost think when I look back at his wavering, it was that minnesota game and it was that illinois game nate that little stretch where nebraska put up like 700 yards of offense back to back or in those those games where wandell was like wow you know i could easily be better than some of the guys they're featuring right now and 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 that helped nebraska almost kind of show him like this is what we're going to be you know this is the offense cuz remember when he committed to ohio state or no, I'm sorry kentucky. kentucky nebraska was getting ready to play at ohio state that week mm-hmm. and the season was still kind of in the you know what and then things kind of slowly and slowly got better uh, for Nebraska with what they showed offensively in some of those other games. Well, yeah,
0: he got a glimpse of what what he could possibly do in this offense, and um, and and Kentucky's offense is not you know they they had nothing to show him. They had to they had to tell him oh. This is what we're going to do once you get on campus, and uh, but Nebraska was actually able to, to show him tangible evidence of, of what he could possibly do, um, you know, and, and kind of be in this offense, and, uh, and that and that did play a big factor in it, and you know Ryan Held said, uh, you know, after he committed to Kentucky they, they kind of gave him his space a little bit. And then after a couple of weeks, he reached out and said, hey, can we still talk? <laughs> and, and he's like, I always knew that Nebraska was the right place for him. This was the right offensive system for him. Everything just fit. And, um, you know, and, and I think lucky for Nebraska, uh, it turned out to where he, he kind of, you know, I guess, came to his senses, for lack of a better term, and, and uh, decided to, to kind of put himself ahead of, of maybe making some others happy. And, and he switched back to the Huskers.
2: Now, Nate, uh, Nebraska also had some recruiting visitors come into town this past week. Um, you know, a couple guys came in and, and spent some time on campus. Um, you know, what what can you share about some of the things that have happened in recruiting? I know it's kind of a quieter time. Uh, but still, it's been fairly busy.
0: Well, yeah, the the, the big visitor was uh, Roger Rosengarten, a uh, big offensive tackle out of uh, Valor Christian High School there in, in Highlands Ranch, Colorado. Same high school that uh, you know gave Nebraska Luke McCaffrey in, in the 2019 class. Uh, those two are very, very good friends. So it was good for uh, Roger said it was really good to to, to come back to Lincoln uh, and see Luke actually out on the practice field and, and to be able to, to catch up with him. I know they, they had they're able to sit down and have lunch together and everything. But. Um, it's crazy how, how the recruiting process kind of unfolded here over the last few months for Roger. He, Nebraska was actually the first team to offer him, uh, back in the, the end of September when he visited for the Purdue game. Uh, and since that point in time, he has, he's picked up 22 other offers. Actually, he just added to Auburn, uh, the other day. So he's, he's picked up 23 other offers. Uh, he's won a state championship. He, uh, he had a successful basketball season and um, you know, and now he's, he's on this whirlwind tour where he's, he's trying to visit as many schools as possible. And the first place that he, he took an unofficial visit to was Nebraska, and that trip went extremely well. Um, you know, he's got a very good relationship with Barrett Rood, who, who recruits the state of Colorado. And actually, Barrett Rude is related to a coach, John Howell, uh, there at Valor Christian. Um, I believe they're cousins or, or, or uh, something like that. There's some sort of connection there, uh, and that that's definitely helping Nebraska out in addition to the McCaffrey connection. so um, But he's he's a big-time man. He's a two-way player for Valor Christian, uh, and he is nasty. He's 6'7", 275 pounds, uh, terrific athlete, very, very bright and smart kid too. So, I mean, he, he basically checks all the boxes that Nebraska wants uh, out of an offensive lineman and his goal is to basically narrow things down to a top five take all those official visits between the spring and summer and then have a decision before his senior season starts. And I think Nebraska is in a pretty good spot with him right now. Um, you know, currently he's ranked as a three-star, uh, I think mid-three-star, mid high-three-star, mid high but I, I think that he's he's definitely a kid who I believe uh, at least is a, a top 250 player in the country. I, so I, I think that when you look at the 500-mile radius, you look at Nebraska's need for, for offensive linemen, uh, you know, I, I think they're in a good spot for a really good player.
2: Well, lots going on. Obviously, uh, we'll keep you up to date with spring practice as next week will be the final week uh, before spring break and then nebraska basketball with their final regular season game sunday against iowa robin will keep you up to date on that with a one o'clock game nebraska baseball is at baylor series supposed to be played in lincoln Um, it got moved down to waco for the weekend the interns will keep you up to date on that and then big 10 basketball tournament next week robin will be in chicago covering nebraska's first game uh, wednesday night against presumably penn state